My name's Dean Hoffman. I'm one of the pastors at Alpine, and it's great to be here today. I got a new clicker. You guys got a new clicker, so I uh, hear you've had some challenges, so hopefully we don't have any challenges today with the clicker. Might have challenges with me, but maybe hopefully not with the, the clicker. But today we're in our third uh, message of the prodigal. The first week we spent some time looking at the younger son, who was the rule breaker, and then uh, we spent some time last week looking at the father, and this week we're going to be looking a little bit at the older son, and the title of our message today is Rule Keeping Gone Wrong. Um, The older brother, probably you are aware of through this uh, series, is really the one that is the rule keeper in the parable of the prodigal. And I can really relate to the older son because I too am a rule keeper and some of you out there may join me in being a rule keeper. My older sister was a rule breaker. At least she hung out with guys that she was attracted to that were rule breakers. And um, as a result, I uh, really didn't like them too much. And as a younger brother, I tried everything I could to annoy them. Uh, I ended up running a lot and being chased a lot. And uh, since I was younger, I probably ate a little bit of dirt along the way. But uh, dang those rule breakers. But um, this whole series, the premise of this whole series is if you are far from God, no matter how far, there is still hope for you, whether you are a rule breaker or a rule keeper. And it's not saying that all rule keepers are far from God, but rule keepers, including myself, have some natural baggage that we carry with us that can be a challenge to being close to God. Strictly in our flesh, we rule keepers, including myself, tend to be self-righteous, judgmental, cold-hearted, unforgiving, entitled, justified. No amens, please. No, no, no knocking the person next to you either. Um, we love, rule keepers love to hang out with rule, other rule keepers, and we really don't have any time for rule breakers. As far as we're concerned, rule breakers get what they deserve. Not the greatest God-honoring characteristics, are they? It reminds me, a little bit of the religious folk in Jesus' day. And we've seen this passage a couple times um, through the first two weeks. And the passage is really the passage that leads up to the three parables that talk about the lost one. And so let's just look at it. It says, The tax collectors and other notorious sinners, we included rule breakers, often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law, rule keepers, complained that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. 
the Pharisees had some of those tendencies, some of those characteristics that I mentioned. And those tendencies sometimes, for rule keepers, keep us very far from God the Father's heart. And so today we're going to look at five marks of a rule keeper that keep them far from God. And let's start by picking up the parable in Luke 15, 25. It says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. So the first mark of a rule keeper who is far from God is you work for yourself and not for the benefit of others. Don't you find it somewhat amazing that the older brother didn't know what was going on? How is it possible that everybody in the community was at this party and he didn't even realize it was taking place? I can tell you why. It's because he didn't care about his brother. He had no interest in whether his brother returned or not. Well, his father's face was turned looking towards the younger brother and coming back. The older brother's face was turned in the opposite direction. He was just concerned about doing his job, working the fields, taking care of business. We'll be referring to the Bible background commentary a couple times today. It says here that the elder brother is apparently the only person in the village uninformed about the party, burst the bounds of plausibility in the real world, where the elder brother should himself have taken the lead at reconciling father and younger son. This touch of unrealism is necessary to graphically underline the older brother's isolation from the community. The older brother didn't really care about the community or others. He was happy to be isolated away from those that wasted their time or weren't as committed as he. His whole identity and his whole value was wrapped up in what he accomplished, not who he was or who he belonged to. I'm going to say that again because it's probably the main point of this message as it relates to rule keepers. His whole identity and his value was wrapped up in what he accomplished, not in who he was or who he belonged to. He wasn't concerned about others. They really didn't matter. They were inconsequential. And for some of you that are rule keepers, you can kind of um, relate to what I'm saying. Hard to be close to God when that is your outlook, because God's heart is all about serving others and loving others. And if you're focused on what you're accomplishing and not focused on loving others, you're going to find yourself outside while others are taking part in the party. The second mark of a rule keeper 
is that you get mad at God for his extravagance towards others. The passage in Luke 15 says the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. I used to get so upset with my sister when she didn't get what she deserved, when the punishment wasn't what I expected it to be. And I knew that if I had done the same thing, my punishment would have been much bigger. And so I'd always be upset with my sister not getting the punishment she should have got. As a rule keeper, I wanted her to get everything that was coming to her. And I could see this older brother feeling the same way. I could feel, I could feel him saying the same things like, are you serious? My brother is getting a party? A fattened calf? Music and dancing? Celebrated for coming home after wasting all of his money? Where's the punishment? You want me to join in on this party? You want me to support his behavior by participating and joining in with everybody else? I can't do that. I have too much integrity. Not going to participate in any activity that fails to address his behavior. Hitting close to home with some? The rule keeper and Pharisees would say it was unjust to allow for such a party to take place. And they had every right to be angry. They would say that they even had a right to have righteous anger. They'd probably refer to Jesus in the temple and say, he had righteous anger, and this is something that we should have righteous anger about. Well, consider the words in Isaiah 45. Oh, our clicker. <laughs> there we go. So, Isaiah 45, 9 says, Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker. A piece of pottery among the other earthenware pottery pieces? Will the clay say to the potter, What are you doing? Isn't that exactly what we're doing when we get upset with God for showing extravagance to somebody, somebody we don't believe deserves it? What are we doing? Aren't we just another piece of pottery? When you get mad at God for how he treats others, you're really putting yourself in a position above God. And I really wouldn't recommend that. Bottom line, God can do what he wants to do because he's God and we are not. Is being outside upset because he's treating others with extravagance where you really want to be? The third mark of a rule keeper who is far from God is you're blind to God's extravagance towards you. Luke 15 says, His father came out and begged him. We're going to go back to the Bible commentary to share what they say about that. It says, Publicly refusing to enter in the midst of a party makes an intra-family dispute public news, dampening the celebration, and worse yet, shaming his father just as the younger brother had in a culture where honor and shame were essential values. 
This is also a grievous insult to the father's dignity and could have warranted discipline or being disinherited. Instead of punishing him, however, the father comes out and humbles himself, giving up his honor to seek reconciliation with his son. Here's where the whole argument of the rule keeper breaks down. They want the rule, I mean the rule keeper, they want the rule breakers to get what they deserve, but they don't recognize that they deserve the same. The older brother ended up doing the same thing that the younger brother did, shaming his father. And the, old, and the father, if he went by the books, could have disinherited the older son also. No matter how great of a rule keeper you are, you're not that great. Rule keepers are not perfect. And if God gave rule keepers what they deserved, it wouldn't be eternity with him. For all the self-righteousness, the pride, the judgmental spirit of the rule keeper, it's all a guise. It's all a straw house. The Bible tells us that we have all sinned, and the wages of those sins is death. The rule keeper was in no better situation than the rule breaker as it related to a relationship with the father. They were both separated. They both did not deserve an inheritance. But the father is extravagant towards both. The Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The creator of the universe stepped out and invited us in. He provided a way that shows his extravagant love for you. And rule keepers, you will not really recognize God's extravagant love for you, and you'll remain on the outside until you realize that you are not perfect, that you are not holy, and that you need that extravagance from your father to be in a relationship. The fourth mark of a rule keeper who is far from God is you look at relations transactionally. In our passage it says, all these years I've slaved for you, this is an older son talking, and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. In a transactional relationship, it's all about what I do for you and what you do for me. If you take care of business and I take care of business, everything's great. But if you don't do what you're supposed to do, then you're not living up to the contract. And the older son was all about the terms of the contract. He was wanting to ensure that he got that inheritance. And so his focus was on doing everything that was needed to get that inheritance. 
but it didn't really require any type of relationship with the Father. It really didn't. It was just a duty. Just a duty. And again, the problem here with the rule keeper's thinking is that the rule keeper doesn't ever really keep the contract. They try, but they really don't meet the terms of the contract. But the Father does. Our transaction is not enough. All our good works, according to the Bible, are but filthy rags before God. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. That is why the younger brother, when he came back, said to his dad, Hey, Dad, I messed up. The best that I can offer is to be your servant. Let me just be a servant to you. But his father said, No, we're not going to do that. Servants, go get my robe, go get my sandals, go get my ring put it on my son. He wasn't requiring his son to do a list of works that had to be done before he was accepted. His son had returned, and he treated him like his son. It's funny how the older son only emphasized service, where it was the last thing the younger son wanted. It's like the most important thing to the older son. His relationship never saw it anything more than this transactional relationship. Still thinking that he could get his inheritance based on this. The relationship really meant nothing to him. In fact, he failed to even address his father respectfully. Again, from the Bible commentary, it says, failing to greet one's father with a title, father, serve, contrast even 1512, where the younger son, when he returned, started by saying, my father, was a grievous insult to the father's dignity. This son emphasizes his service, even though the father wanted a son rather than a servant. God the Father is not interested in your service for your inheritance. Jesus, quoting Hosea, says, I desire mercy rather than sacrifice. Jesus is saying, your sacrifice means nothing to me. Your service means nothing to me unless I have your heart. Our Father in heaven is passionate. He's extravagant towards us. He calls us. He makes it a way for us to be his sons and daughters through Christ's righteousness, not ours. That's a relationship. And without that relationship, you will end up on the outside. The fifth mark of a rule keeper who is far from God, is that you stay on the outside. This is the third of three parables, all about 
the lost. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the lost son. And in each of those parables, if you read each of those parables, Jesus emphasizes just as much as the lost uh, item, he emphasizes that once the item is found, the friends and neighbors are called to rejoice. And in every situation, in every parable, that's what happens, except with the older son. Only here do we find someone not rejoicing, someone not wanting to join in, someone who wants to stay on the outside, someone who is very familiar with the Pharisees, who were the reason these parables were given in the first place. And what's so ironic about this is that they are out on the outside when they have actually inherited a reward on the inside. The father in the story affectionately communicates to the younger, to the older son, I'm sorry, to the older son, that everything he has is his. And it was the same with the Pharisees. They were the Jews. They were the chosen people of God. The promises were first given to them. But the older son and the Pharisees find themselves outside, angry, unable to recognize their faults, trusting in their own works, refusing the invitation that their loving father is giving them. This parable kind of ends in an interesting way because it ends with us not knowing whether the older son returns to the party or not. Kind of leaves it open. But I can tell you that the Pharisees, the rule keepers of the day, stayed outside. Today's message of these five marks makes me think about my own relationship with Christ. I gave my life to Jesus at a very young age. I was five. I can still remember the day. And I was a rule keeper at that time. And to be honest with you, um, I probably thought it was the right thing to do. And it might have been a little bit transactional in nature. God had done this for me, so I probably should do this for him. I realized as I prepared this message today that at some point in my life, there was a moment that came where I found myself outside, confronted with the reality that not only did God's grace include the rule breakers, that his extravagance was bestowed upon them, that his forgiveness extended to them, 
but that I actually was a rule breaker. I was no better than they. My goodness meant nothing because my sin meant everything. It separated me from my father. And then, to top that all off, reading God's word, I came across a passage that probably all rule keepers struggle with and kind of hit me like a rock. If you do not forgive others, your Father in heaven won't forgive you. Everything was stripped away. The layers of righteousness were peeled off, and I was left bare. I had a choice. I could go to the party and recognize that I was no better than the worst offender in the room and that I was invited to the party based on a relationship, based on a position that was given to me that I didn't deserve. Or I could stay outside with the Pharisees and complain about Jesus visiting the sinners and continue my rule-keeping charade. I chose to take the hand of my father and go inside. You have the same choice today. You have the same choice that I did, that the Pharisees did, that the older brother did. You can come in or you can stay out. But I'd like to tell you that it's really sweet to be inside with your father and recognizing that he calls you his son or daughter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your words today. Um, Lord, I, I trust that your word has spoken to us, even if we're a rule breaker, Lord. Um, but especially if we're a rule keeper and we've gone a little astray with that thinking. Father, at the end of the day, we need you. We need a relationship. Um, it's not about the things that we do. It's about the thing that you did for us. We thank you and praise you for your gift and for your extravagant love towards us. We pray that it changes the way that we live. We thank you that you call us and that you invite us and that you love us even though we don't deserve it. In Jesus' name, amen.